Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service.
guys. I'm so excited about this series, so excited about the next four weeks. God is going to uh, do some really cool stuff in each and every one of us. And don't you know he is coming back? And don't you know that we should be excited about that? And we're going to be talking about that over the next four weeks. But we got to start off by celebrating him. And that's what we do with every service here at Fellowship is we celebrate our Heavenly Father. We celebrate Jesus, the one that is coming back. So I hope you'll do that with us this morning. If you want to make your way down front, if you're one of the worshipers who likes to come down front to worship with us, do that now. And let's just welcome the Holy Spirit in as we begin this series together.
this song says, I will remain confident in this and I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will remain confident in this. I will not strive to see the goodness. I will sit and I will wait on the Lord to see his goodness.
praise. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are the everlasting God, that you are greater than the darkness, that you are greater than defeat. Death has been defeated because you walked to the cross and you said, I want them. They are worth it and I will stand in their place. Jesus, we are so grateful and we do not want to move past that. We want to say thank you that you that you are the defeater, that you defeat the darkness, that you defeat the empty bank account, that you defeat cancer, that you defeat divorce, that you defeat whatever is coming against us and we will put our hope on you. We will put our love on you, Jesus. We trust you and we say thank you and we know we have a confident hope and a confident assurance and the faith in you to know that because it is not finished, you are not done. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And we say, come and have your way in the service today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, give him another shout of praise. He's good. All right, church family. Well, show yourselves friendly as you make your way back to the seat. Make sure that everybody in the room feels loved and welcomed. And I want to take the time to welcome you if you're joining us online as well. We hope that you'll come back and join us in person soon. But we're grateful that you're here with us online as well. Well, as we make our way back to our, back to our seats, I want to welcome everybody who would feel like they're, they're a, a guest or a visitor. Maybe it's your first time here at Fellowship Church. Maybe you're joining us for the first time online. We want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to ask you to take this opportunity to text FELLOWSHIP to 94000. That will get you in our system. Someone from our staff will reach out to you and we'll get you connected and plugged in and, and help you on your way on your next steps here at Fellowship Church. Um, if you are here in the, in the building with us and you're a guest or a visitor, we ask that you stop by our information center out in the lobby. We have a gift bag for you there as well as a free specialty drink from our coffee shop. So again, thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church. If you're, you've been here for a long time and you feel like God is calling you into the next steps of your walk with him, whether that's serving, getting involved in a life group, whatever that looks like for you, please stop by the kiosk on the east end of the lobby to get your next step lined out for you. We'd love to help you with that. Well, now we're going to continue to worship with the giving of tithes and offerings, and you're going to see all of the giving options over here on the side screens. We just want to say thank you for partnering us partnering with us here at Fellowship Church. We know that when you trust God with your finances, we're able to build the kingdom. We're able to push the kingdom forward in our community, and that looks like 60 people getting baptized. That looks like 40 middle school students giving their life to Christ. That looks like Convoy of Hope being able to provide real needs and, and necessities that people need in natural disasters, and that's because of the generosity of our church. So let me pray a blessing of finances on you this morning. Lord God, we love you so much. Jesus, we just thank you that you, you trust us, God, and we trust you. God, I pray that every person in this room, every person who can hear my voice online would be blessed over and abundantly, God, with financial blessings. God, that you just would pour out, God, pour out the windows of heaven on them, Jesus, that they would experience your goodness and your truth and your your provision, God, because you are the God who provides. We trust you. And if there's people in the room who are, who are struggling and wrestling with that, putting you first in tithing, God, I just pray that you would bless them with, with the wherewithal, with the hope and the bravery to do it because you say, put me to the test in this. So God, I pray that you would just bless everybody in their finances and in every part of their home. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, check out this video, church. 
Good morning, Fellowship Church. We are excited to announce Camp 4640 for students in grades six through 12. Cost of this event is $200, and we'll take your teenagers by bus to Camp Sea Ridge for four days and three nights. This awesome event will give your young person a chance to connect with God at a life-changing level. They'll also make friendships with other kids that love Jesus and are serving him too. They'll also connect with mentors that can invest in your student over the long haul and support the lessons that you're teaching them at home. Camp 4640 has high ropes, low ropes, tons of games, competitions, and the most fun your young person will have all summer long. Spots will fill up very quickly. We can take a limited number of students, and last year we ran out of spots. Please don't delay in signing your student up. Go on the Church Center app, go to the Events tab, and fill out the registration forms you find there. Thank you for trusting us with your children every week in our Fellowship Kids ministry. We have the opportunity to teach Jesus to over 400 kids a week. To help streamline that process and to make sure that our kids are always safe, we have a very specific check-in and security process. When you arrive at Fellowship Church, you will be greeted by our purple team, who will help you register and check your child in for their class. If you're a veteran, you can go to one of those scan spots and just scan yourself right in and it'll print all the tags that you possibly need. We are adding an additional tag to every check-in of a child. It'll print out a whole bunch of paper. The first one is your child's name tag. Go ahead and stick that right on your kid. The second one is a duplicate of the name tag. That's the new one. That'll go directly to your classroom's teacher. So if your kid's running off to Kids Church, hand them that and they'll turn that in. Or if you're checking in your baby to a younger classroom, just go ahead and hand that across the window to that classroom teacher. The third one is your security tag. This security tag is absolutely mandatory for picking up your child at the end of class. You can go ahead and stick that on yourself. If that's not your speed and you wanna keep your outfit looking cute, you can slip that into your pocket. But either way, when you come to take your child from the classroom, you will be required to produce this security tag. If you tend to check in your kids using the Church Center app, it'll automatically generate a digital copy of the sticker. You can use that in place of the sticker, no problem. If your child is gonna be staying for both services, it's important to let your classroom teacher know that when you drop your child off. Also, you can screenshot the digital sticker, you can take a picture of the digital sticker, you can get anyone a copy of that sticker and that will do the trick. We wanna make sure that everyone is as safe as possible. So we're going to always be asking for this security sticker. We don't know the ins and outs of your household. We're not sure if your custody situation may have changed in the last seven days, and we don't want to take for granted the safety of our children for any reason. Fellowship Church, we're so excited for this morning's service. This message is going to be amazing. I've been waiting forever for Pastor Tim to teach this content. Get ready for it.
So I've been so excited to start this series. I love to teach on the end times. About five or six years ago, I started uh, developing a, a curriculum for us to be able to go through. And we've been able to do that on Wednesday nights, three different times over the last uh, four or five years, which has just been such a blessing. And it's crazy because a lot of people want to know this information because it is our future. And we've been left with the scripture that tells us what's gonna happen. And so it's really, really incredible to be able to study, but a lot of times it scares people. You get either one of two responses when you start talking about end times, either excitement, like, all right, this is gonna happen, or, oh no, this is gonna happen. And so what I wanna make sure of is that as we go through this teaching over the next four weeks, that you become a person that is excited about Jesus coming back. And you're, you're partying like that first song had us do together, celebrating the fact that Jesus is going to come back and he is going to take us to him. Now, uh, this also should give us a piece about what's in store for those of us that believe in Jesus. Now, I should have called this series living, living at the end times rather than living in the end times because I believe that we are not just living in the end times, we are there. We are at the end times. And I believe that the scripture is very clear on the season in which the rapture will come. Now, I'm not predicting the day or the hour. Of course, the Bible says that we are not to do that and that we can't do that. But the word does say that we should know the season. We better know the season. We better recognize these things. Now, how do we do that? Well, it's through scripture. And last week we talked about the fact that scripture is 100% accurate. Uh, the message that JL and Madeline did together, it was a great uh, uh, setting, it set the, gra the ground and the stage for this week because we have to set our teaching on something that is solid and the word of God is solid. It's 100% accurate. Not only is it 100% accurate, but the prophecy in the Bible is 100% accurate. In chapter 11 of the book of Daniel alone, we've seen 135 prophecies fulfilled to the smallest detail. Daniel was written 500 and, and 536 BC, 536 years before Christ. Yet it, it predicts all of these things happening and, and predicts them in, in such an incredible, intricate level. Other religions might be able to say that they're the only true religion, but let them produce a book that has been 100% accurate for over 4,000 years and can foretell the future. Now, the reason that we have a book that foretells the future is because we, want to, we, uh, because we worship a God who controls the future. And thousands of years ago, he told us what the end of the world was going to look like, and we're seeing it unfold before our eyes. Now, if you asked yourself the question recently, what in the world is going on with people today? Like the lunacy. Have people lost their minds? Is, is the world just going crazy? Well, this was also all predicted in scripture. And let's look at a few of these predictions, starting in 2 Timothy chapter three. The Bible says, you must understand that in the last days, there will come times of much trouble. People will love themselves and money. They will have pride and tell of the things that they have done. They will speak against God. Children and young people will not obey their parents. 
People will not be thankful and they will not be, they will not be holy. They will not love each other. No one can get along with them. They will tell lies about others. They will not be able to keep from doing things they know they should not do. They will be wild and want to beat the, beat and hurt those who are good. They will not stay true to their friends. They will act without thinking. They will think too much of themselves. They will love fun instead of loving God. They will do things to make it look as if they are Christians. But they, are, they, but they will not receive the power that is for Christians. Keep away from such people. Now, I heard a really interesting and great quote not too long ago. And the quote was that the devil is preparing the world for the Antichrist, but Jesus is preparing his people for the rapture. Now... We know that the Antichrist is coming. We know that he is here. Uh, and we know that not only is the Antichrist here on this earth, but we also understand that the spirit of the Antichrist has been on this planet for a long time. And the spirit of the Antichrist is getting those people ready to receive the Antichrist as the Messiah, setting the platform, setting the stage. And we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. But as we talk about this, I think it's super important that we talk about some of these terms and we kind of see the timeline and where we are on the timeline, just so we're on the same page. So as we look at the timeline, the next major prophetic event that is going to happen is the rapture. Right after the rapture starts the tribulation period. Now, the tribulation is seven years long. Within the tribulation, the beginning of the tribulation is marked with a peace treaty that is going to happen between the Antichrist and Israel. The first three and a half years of the tribulation are going to be bad, but not near as bad as the second half. And it's really going to set this table. It's going to set a stage for the Antichrist to step in and to be the hero. He's going to be able to step in and, and bring about peace. And at first, it's going to look like he, he has great knowledge and he's going to be the answer to the world's problems. And the world is going to be an absolute mess, of course, after the rapture. At three and a half years, midway through the tribulation, is an event called the desecration of the temple. And this, through the first three and a half years, understand that the temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Now, this will be the third temple on the same site. The first two temples were destroyed. The site of the third temple is where, uh, or all of those temples, is the Dome of the Rock, which is a highly contested area in Jerusalem between Hebrews and between Muslims. And this is where the temple will be rebuilt in its original location. And this peace treaty is going to allow the Hebrews to be able to rebuild the temple and worship the way that they've wanted to worship and the way that they worshiped in the Old Testament. But three and a half years in, things are gonna change. The Antichrist is going to say, no, 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 you're worshiping me now. I am God. And so that will be the desecration of the temple and the midpoint of the tribulation. And then the second part of the tribulation period is the great tribulation, the second three and a half years, where things are really going to go to hell, literally on earth. Things are going to get worse and worse. Then at the end of the tribulation period is the second coming of Christ. And this is when Jesus will come. He will defeat the armies of the world that are fighting against him. That is the battle of Armageddon. And then it will begin the millennium period where we will reign with Jesus on earth for a thousand years in paradise. Yes. Have something beautiful to look forward to there. But this is the timeline. And we believe that we are right before the rapture, 
right before the rapture. This is the next prophetic, major prophetic event that is going to happen. And we're going to be talking a lot about these things over the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to be looking at the timeline in a, in a, a deeper way, going back to the beginning of scripture and how God set the timeline the way he did uh, and, and looking at the fact that where we are in that timeline, it's going to be super interesting. The next week, we're going to be dealing with current events, the stuff that is happening right now and how, we, uh, how these things were prophesied thousands of years ago. We're going to be talking about cancel culture and the pandemic and economic chaos. And then the last week, we're going to be t- uh, doing a Q&A time. And that's going to be a time where you can just ans- ask any question you might have concerning the end times. And on your Church Center app, there's a special button you can push where if you hit that, it will direct you over to a spot where you can ask any question you'd like. And then we will be answering those uh, as many of those as we possibly can in in week four. But as we look at this timeline, I think the first thing we have to focus on is the rapture, the rapture of the church. Now, this is that famous word that people have talked about over the years that describes what is going to happen to believers right before the tribulation begins. Now, if you do a word search in the Bible for the word rapture, you're not going to find it unless you're reading a Bible that is written in Latin because the word rapture comes from rapio and rapio means to be carried away in spirit or body, the actual removal of one place to another. It's a word that describes what will happen to Christians right before the tribulation. Now, I know that there are some disagreements about when this is going to happen in the timeline. For what we're going to be speaking about is a pre-tribulation teaching where Christians are taken up into heaven before the tribulation begins. Now, there are those that also believe that, that it can happen midway through the tribulation. So at the desecration of the temple, that that is where the rapture is going to happen. And then there are those that believe that it's going to happen at the end of the tribulation, at the end of those seven years. And we will be raptured right before uh, uh, the second coming uh, of, of Jesus. Now, understand also there can be a little bit of confusion about what the second coming is and, and versus the rapture. The first coming of Jesus Christ happened in the New Testament. We know the story. The second coming for semantics and, and just for teaching purposes is always at the end of the tribulation. Even though he comes and gets us in the rapture, he doesn't come all the way to earth. He meets us in the air. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. So um, here's the cool thing about Fellowship Church. You have a liberty, the liberty to believe what you want and when the rapture is going to happen. You can believe what you want. If you don't want to believe pre-tribulation rapture, that's fine. You can believe mid-trib or you can believe post-trib. Totally fine. You have the liberty to do that. I'm not going to try to convince you of one, one thing or another. And one day when we're in heaven and we're celebrating the wedding feast and you see me, you can come over and say, Pastor Tim, you were right. You were right. It was pre-trib all along. I should have listened. (laughs) Now, if you're a Christian and living when the rapture happens, that means that you will never die. That's the cool thing about the rapture for us. Before this generation, everyone that lived also died except for Enoch and Elijah. 
Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15, I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet him ahead of those who are in their graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with commanding shout and with a call of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. Now, according to 1 Corinthians chapter, 5, uh, chapter 15, this all happens within a twinkling of an eye. Now, how fast is a twinkling of an eye? It's one fortieth of a second. So what this scripture says is that those that have already died, that knew Jesus, when the rapture happens within that one fortieth of a second, they're going to be raptured first. And then we're going to be raptured maybe at the end of that one fortieth of a second, but they're going to rise first. And then we're going to follow that right after. And I believe that this can happen at any time. This rapture, the rapture of the church can happen at the end of any time. It, it, we are in the end times. And I believe that it is the next major prophetic event that's going to happen on, on the timeline. Now, when Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, it upset a lot of people because they thought that the rapture had come and they had been left behind. Now, I went to a Bible college and one of the famous tricks that's pulled on people in Bible college is the rapture trick. And it never fails, but when you go to Bible college, there are those students that think they're a little better than everybody else. They're super pious. They think they, they live better than everybody else. They think that there's a really a more special place for them in heaven and that they're way less sinful than you are. And those people, you know, you can kind of spot, you can kind of figure out who they are. And so uh, one year in my Bible college, there was this one guy and he was the worst about that. So what we did is we decided that the, we're gonna take a holiday week weekend. And holiday weekends and uh, uh, college campuses, it's like a ghost town, right? N nobody is ever there. Well, this guy was staying over for this holiday weekend. And so what we did is we just made sure that he was asleep. And then we went through the dorm room and we started laying out our clothes on the floor and <laughs> dropped our jewelry where they might fall if, if we were raptured and, and turned the shower on and left the water running and, and then made sure that the parking lot, there were cars parked strangely in the parking lot. And then somebody blew the shofar, which was the horn. And he woke up and he looked around and he was by himself. Everybody was gone. Pajamas were left in bed, in the beds, the, the clothes were left on the floor and it freaked him out. It totally freaked him out. And it, it really cured him from the religious spirit he had because he thought that he'd been left behind. Now that trick has been, to, been uh, done on college campuses all, all over the country. And it's something that some, I think for all of us, we, we might've thought at one time or another. I remember when I was a kid and I woke up one Saturday morning and my, my parents had gone to breakfast and they didn't tell me and things were just laid out super weird. And so I was trying to call them, trying to figure out where they were because I was sure that the sin that I committed the night before had made me lose my salvation. And... <laughs> And I'd been left behind. But here's the thing. When you know Jesus, you don't have to ever worry about that. In, this, in the book of 2 Thessalonians, Paul's trying to comfort the people of Thessalonica. He tells them basically that Jesus has not come back yet and they have not been left behind. He then gives a graphic view of what the world is going to look like when Jesus returns. 
So let's look at the world as Paul describes it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, let us tell you about the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. Please don't be so easily shaken and troubled by those who say that the day of the Lord has already come, begun. Even if they claim to have had a vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't believe them. Don't be fooled by what they say. For, what, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness, talking about the uh, Antichrist, is revealed the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy every God there is and tear down every object of adoration and worship. He will position himself in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Now, of course, this is speaking of the desecration in the temple that is gonna happen halfway through the tribulation period. Now, the Antichrist is a man that will be possessed by Lucifer himself be possessed by him to fulfill the prophecies of the Bible. And this man's mission is the same that Satan's mission is, and that is to steal and kill and destroy. So the Antichrist is everything opposite of Christ and scripture. And we can see that the prophecy that is written by Paul and Thessalonians is coming true in our day. And we see it in two specific ways. The first of which the world falling away from God or a a renunciation of a religious faith. Now, I don't know if you guys have had an opportunity to travel. Rebecca and I were so blessed a few years ago. We were able to go to Europe before COVID and all the craziness. And we were able to go to several countries and visit some exchange students that we had. And it was really, really interesting. And man, we saw more churches and castles. There's so many churches and castles in Europe. Wow. But the sad thing is, is that the churches now are museums. And the churches that are still open have barely anybody in them. And it's because they kind of look at them as relics. The people of Europe are what they call a post-Christian society. And a post-Christian society means that these, this generation, their parents didn't believe in God. And so when you go over there, you see a lot of lost people and you see a lot of godless countries. And the sad thing is that the United States is on their way. We're approaching a time where the United States is a post-Christian society. Now, when I was a kid, I remember that prayer had just been taken out of schools. Um, but we're, when I was going to school, we still could have the display of the Ten Commandment in the classrooms. I remember my parents telling me that when they went through school, that the teacher could start the day with prayer and she could say in Jesus' name at the end of that prayer. I remember also thinking and believing that most of the time my teachers were Christians I believed for the most part, all of my neighbors were Christians. They may go to different churches, but we all believed in the same God. Well, in 1962, prayer was banned in public schools. And in 1980, the open display of the Ten Commandments was removed from the classrooms. And our schools have never been the same. Right now, we have a rejection of biblical morality and society that we live in. We are living in an opposed Christian society and an opposed biblical society. The Bible is under open attack right now. The Bible is considered hate speech by many. And there's a dramatic rise in atheism in America and around the world. There's been an increase in the last 50 years, but especially in the last 10 years in the world against Christians and biblical principles. And unfortunately, we're seeing the same thing in the church. In 1937, the Gallup poll started tracking church membership. Goes back as far as 1937. And what they found was that 73% of Americans 
were members of church. 1980, that number dropped to 70%. In 2000, it dropped to 65%. In 2010, it dropped to 59%. And in 2020, just two years ago, it had dropped to 47%. And this was before COVID. When COVID hit, it decimated church attendance and church uh, membership, which is an act of the spirit of the Antichrist that is upon this world today. So the world is falling away from the Lord. The second thing we're seeing is that the church is falling away from biblical teaching. Jesus prophesied that when he returned, that 50% of the church would be lost. So you think about it and you can ask people, and most people, when you ask them, if, if you were to ask them, are you a Christian? They'll say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then you ask them, well, explain why that's the case. Why are you a Christian or how you were a Christian? And they can't articulate it. Well, Jesus gives three parables about what the world would look like when he returns. And he says in Matthew chapter 25, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet their bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish took no oil with their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take a long extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all lay down and slept. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and welcome him. And this is a description of the rapture. All the bridesmaids got up and uh, prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, sir, open the door for us. But he called back, I don't know you. So stay awake and be prepared because you do not know the day or hour of my return. Of my return. There are 10 virgins in this story and the bridegroom is Jesus. The 10 virgins are the church. And Jesus is saying, when I come, half of the church will be ready and the other half won't. Half of those that believe that they are saved, that they are Christians, are not. And this is happening right before our eyes in church. There are tons of denominations out there that are ignoring the clear teachings of scripture. They don't teach salvation. It's crazy, but that's what church is supposed to be all about. When Fellowship Church was founded, we had a mission statement that we still follow today. That is, we connect the unconnected to Jesus Christ. So we get people saved and then together grow in full devotion to him. Then we disciple. And so we're all the time talking about how you can have a relationship with Jesus. After every message online, there is, a, there is someone that will come on and tell people that are online and uh, how to be saved and, and lead them in the salvation prayer. And guys, if there's any churches out there that are teaching anything, but Jesus is the only way to get to God, they're not teaching the truth. And so we need, and the, the thing about it is, this is so simple, right? J Jesus, I, I, I receive you as my personal savior. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I acknowledge that you are the son of God. That's it. But churches have gotten away from that. Often churches don't believe in the, uh, uh, the inerrancy of scripture. Half of the churches out there don't believe in a literal hell or a literal devil. 
And many churches today believe in universalism, which means that Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven. They believe other religions can get you there if, if you're good, you're just a good enough person. And this is what is happening in the church today across the world. Now understand, much of the church is ready. They believe that the word of God is true. They follow what the word of God says, but there is a large portion that do not. And we're seeing many denominations rejecting the clear teachings of the Bible. We see that. And this is what Paul predicts. Now let's move on to 2 Thessalonians chapter two. Don't you remember that I told you this when I was with you and you know what is holding him back, holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. Speaking of the Antichrist. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the breath of, the, of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. So the apostle Paul said that there's going to be a great falling away from the truth. Then he says that the one who now restrains will be taken away. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working in the church, working within us. The only restraining force in the world right now is the church. Those churches that teach Christ, that are life-giving, that teach salvation, that teach the truth of the Bible and have the Holy Spirit working within it, that's the only thing that is restraining evil in today's society. Fellowship Church is a restraining force right now in this world against evil. Yes. We exist to see people saved and grow in their relationship with Christ. Our marriage ministry here at Fellowship Church is a restraining force against divorce in this world. Our restoration ministry is a restraining force right now against the kingdom of darkness trying to work in people's lives. As dark as the world is right now, can you imagine what it will be like without the church? That's the tribulation. Yet this is exactly what the world will look like when the rapture happens. Now, I believe that the Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture. I believe that he is alive right now. He's just not revealed yet. And every time I say that, I always have the same question, like, who do you think he is, right? Who do you think the Antichrist is? And the truth is, is there are a lot of good candidates out there. <laughs> a lot of good ones. Bill Belichick. There's Tom Brady. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady may have retired so he could focus on more sinister things. Nick Saban, you know. <laughs> the truth is, is we don't know who he is. There are some theories out there, but we know that he exists. We know that he is alive because he has to be living in this last generation. Now, Jesus in Luke 17 gives us a clear picture of what the rapture is going to look like. Luke 17, 26. When the son of man returns, the world will be like the people were in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came to destroy them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building until the morning Lot left Sodom. 
Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the hour when the Son of Man returns. On that day, a person outside of the house must not go into the house to pack. A person in the field must not return to town. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. Whoever clings to this life will lose it and whoever loses this life will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken away and the other will be left. Two, uh, uh, two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Verse 37, Lord, where will this happen? And the disciples ask. And Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the, that the end is near. Uh, the KJV says, Where, uh, wheresoever the body is, tither will the eagles be gathered together. Where do the birds gather? They gather in the air. The rapture is going to happen in the air. Remember what we said or what we read earlier in 1 Thessalonians 4:17, then together with them we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever. We all go up into the air to meet Jesus. This is why it's so important for us to know that those who that we love know Jesus because one will be taken and one won't. Knowing Jesus is the only way to get to meet him in the clouds. Now, this is a pre-tribulation rapture. And let me tell you why I believe this. And this is just one of the reasons. But one of the reasons is we do these, and one of the reasons we do these messages is to encourage us that Jesus is, that he's coming. To encourage us that he's coming. And it also shows us that we won't have to be here for the tribulation. So this is something to be excited for. Notice that the scripture says that the things are going to, the things are going to be normal when this happens. Scripture says that it will be a world as it is in the days of Lot. People are going to be going about their business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building. Then the rapture is going to come. Things are not going to be normal in the tribulation, guys. They're not going to be normal. And I know a lot of people think right now out there, well, we're in the tribulation right now. The stuff that we're facing right now is nothing compared to what is going to happen in the tribulation. So there's no way that the rapture can come in the middle of the tribulation, nor the end of the tribulation, because things will not be normal. They're going to be a mess. It's going to be chaos. Now, you always get the question in a series like this, you know, should we go out? Should we buy a bunch of food? Should we be preppers? Should we build a bunker? Should I, should I, should I sell off my property? Here's the thing. If you like to collect food and you like to build bunkers and that's a hobby, that's great. Do that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't need to do it if you're saved and you know you're going to heaven. You don't, you don't, you don't need to go there. And I always say this too. I'm like, okay, look, it, just in case I'm wrong, okay? Just in case. If, but if a peace treaty is signed between the Antichrist and Israel and we're here, prep. Prep. Go get a bunker, start prepping because things are gonna get bad. If the Gog and Magog war happen and we're here and we're gonna be talking about the Gog and Magog war next week, then, I would, then that's when it's time to start collecting food and, and making sure that you have uh, plenty of provisions. But, but guys, we're not gonna be here. So there's nothing to prepare, uh, for us to prep for except for meeting our Savior. That's the only thing that we need to prep for. 
So how do I live? Should I do these things? Well, no, you need to live your life. You need to get married, have kids, start businesses, go back to school, live your life. Because for us, it's going to be just like it is now. When you know about the rapture and you know about end times, it doesn't mean you change the way you live. It just means you get ready to live for Jesus. In the days of the Lord, in the days of Lot and Noah, there were three parallels between our generations and theirs. The first of which was an immoral and violent world in rebellion to God. The Bible says in the days of Noah, the world was filled with violence and immorality. Is our world filled with violence and immorality? Absolutely. The second parallel is a righteous remnant living for God. There are a lot of believers in this world right now. There's still a lot of us that believe in God and are living for him. So yes, there is a righteous remnant. And the third parallel is a sudden removal of, the right, of that righteous remnant. Lot was removed from Sodom. The angels came and removed him. Noah and his family were removed before the miracle of the flood. What Paul says throughout the book of the Thessalonians is that we are not the children of wrath. The tribulation will be the wrath of God. We are gonna be saved from that. Then when Paul talks about the rapture, he says, comfort each other with these words, right? He's, he's speaking about the rapture. He's speaking about in times, he's speaking to Christians. He says, comfort each other. This scripture is supposed to comfort us about the rapture. If we're going to go through the tribulation, there is no way we can be comforted. No way. In the tribulation, one judgment kills a third of mankind. That is 2 billion people will die in just one judgment. At the end of the tribulation, there is no economy. The earth has been hit by comets. All of the life in the ocean is completely dead. The world is decimated during those seven years. That is nothing to be comforted by. In the days of Lot, the angels came and spoke to him and his family. And here's what the angels told him. We can't judge this place until you're out of here. That was the message. And Jesus said it would be just like that for us. Now, this is just one part of scripture that points to a pre-tribulation rapture. And we'll discuss uh, the biblical timeline and talk about other prophetic events next week. But if you are interested in understanding uh, the timeline and understanding culture and, uh, and understanding all the different signs that we are seeing right now and that we are at the end. We have that curriculum. It is in the bookstore that you can go, you can get a, a workbook, you can get a digital copy of seven hours, seven one hour sessions uh, that will, will help you understand this to even a, a, a deeper level. And we have a special kiosk in the bookstore for you, able to pick, for you to be able to pick that up. And of course, within a four week series, I'm not gonna be able to hit everything, but I, I really, really encourage you to dig deeper in understanding these end times that we're living in. But what does that mean for us right now? What should our attitude be with the world and people around us? Because it's tough, right? It's, it is tough dealing with the stuff that's happening. Well, we need to be compassionate and have the heart for the lost, but we can't give up the truth in scripture to do that. We can't condone people's sinful choices just so they will accept us. And Jesus was 100% grace and he was 100% truth. And truth without grace is surgery without anesthesia. Grace without truth is a bottle with no medicine in it. Only grace and truth together can help anyone. If we are a gracious people, 
and are willing to give up the Bible to make a person feel better about themselves or their choices, we're wrong. I know that that's what the world wants us to do, but we can't do that. We can't fall back. It would be easier, right? It would be so much easier to do that and just go, okay, do what you want to do. That's fine. Do, I, I, you, you know, do, do your truth, whatever your truth is, you do that. It would be easier for us to say that, but we can't. We have to stand up. The person that loves you the most is a person that tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And this world wants us to accept everyone and be okay with everyone's choices because if we don't, we're close-minded, judgmental hypocrites. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. That is the spirit that is flooding our world today. This is one of those deceptions. And we're not supposed to judge people. God did not sign us to judge people, but we are supposed to judge the sin. And one of the reasons that scripture was given to us is so that we can know the difference between right and and wrong. We need to be like Jesus and operate 100% in grace and 100% in truth. We need to love those that are making poor choices and rejecting the truth of God, but we should never compromise the truth of the word of God. So let's pray. God, we love you. And we thank you that you've given us this wonderful book that predicts the future. These writings that tell us what is to come. And Lord, we need to look at those and be very serious about it because we know a lot of people, Lord, that don't know you. And so I pray that you give us an opportunity to be able to speak with family, be able to speak with friends about you, about salvation, about what you did for us on the cross. I pray, Lord, that you give us boldness to invite people to church and allow the church to be a ministry in people's hearts to change their hearts towards you. I pray now for every lost person that's represented in this room. For those of us, we all know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle of the Holy Spirit, that you would soften their hearts and that they would have an opportunity to receive you in the near future. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that we get to spend eternity for you. We thank you, Lord, that we can learn all about you coming back for us. And thank you for wanting to do that. Thank you for dying for us so that we can have eternity with you forever in heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Don't miss next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again and God, I thank you for that. And I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. 
If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. And thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.